Hello and welcome to the Hot Copy Podcast, a podcast for copywriters all about copywriting. My name is Kate Toon. I'm a copywriter. I'm the founder of the Clever Copywriting School and the recipe for SEO success e-course. And this is my co-host, Belinda Weaver. That's me. I'm also a copywriter. I'm the founder of Copyright Matters and the Copywriting Masterclass course. In this Hot Copy Podcast, Belinda and I are going to share with you what we wished we'd known before we started out as copywriters, all those little lessons that we've learned along the way. Okay, so it's a very personal episode this week, and I thought we'd start by doing something a little bit different. I'm going to ask you a question, Belinda. Are you ready? No, but do it anyway. Okay. Well, I just thought we should try and get a bit more of usness into the podcast. So I was going to ask you, what did you want to be when you grew up? When you when you were little, I mean. <laughs> well, I'm I was a contrarian from a very young age, so I wanted to be a fireman. Oh, really? Yeah, not not a firewoman. I wanted to be a fireman. And what was it about that that kind of appealed to you? The outfit or something? Well, it just seemed a really exciting job, like, you know, flying down poles, putting on the hat. I love the hat, running around yeah. a lot, water play. It just seemed a really cool, fun job. Um, I worked out the logistics of being a fireman when I was a little bit older. And then, of course, when I got older again, I realized it was actually really hard work and really dangerous. Yeah, well, I was obviously a much more boring boring child than you because I wanted to be a teacher. So I don't know what that was about. I know. Uh, and now I kind of am. So I've kind of I've kind of done that to a degree. You must have been like, a kind child to want to be a teacher. I wasn't particularly, I don't know. I think maybe I just like bossing people about. Maybe oh, it was yeah, that. that sounds right. So yeah, today we're going to be talking about what we wish we'd known at the beginning of our copywriting careers. And um, I guess, shall I start or do you want to start? No, you go first. Okay, well, I guess one of the first things that I wish I'd known was that my competitors don't have to be competitors. Um, I, Belinda and I both worked very, very hard to network with other copywriters to, to sort of make them friends and, and, and not necessarily in a kind of, uh, I don't know, nefarious way, but really for reassurance. Um, quite early on uh, in my copywriting career, I, you know, I'd be looking at all these other copywriters on Twitter and on, and on Facebook and I'd be checking checking out their websites and thinking, wow, they're so amazing and I'll never be that amazing. And then I had a brainwave or maybe it was just, I don't know, a bad day. And I thought, I'm just going to start contacting all of these people one by one and saying, be my friend. And I set up a little group on Google, Google Plus, uh, quite a long time ago. And I invited some of the people that I'd been following and stalking for a long time, one of whom was Belinda Weaver, and said, hey, let's have a whole little secret group where we talk about our highs and our lows and our ups and our woes. And yeah, it was awesome. And I've learned so much from other copywriters. And uh, you think you found the same, Belinda, didn't you? Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's one of my favorite secret groups that no one else listening can join. But it is, it's really great to share the experiences you have day to day because you can't jump on your own social media profiles and say, oh, I'm having a really tough time with a client because that's not very professional all the time. So it's really great to talk to other copywriters who get it and can say, it can maybe give you a sense of perspective on the bad time you're having. And I really like that about the group. And we, I love the fact that we refer work to each other, which sounds really weird. 
Yeah, you know, and, and, I, and I, I know that when I uh, started my clever copywriting community and, you know, kind of invited people to join that, I, I, I do refer a lot of work through that and so do other people in the group. And you sort of think, well, what, are you, what are you doing? You know, like, how can all these copywriters give each other work? That's weird. But it seems to work because obviously there's an, actually, in reality, there's a lot of work to go around. And by kind of having a sort of team or a gang, I like to think of it more as a gang, of people who are kind of, who've got your back, it, it's it's awesome because there's not you know for example I hate writing annual reports I don't know about you Belinda but I hate them I don't even know if I could write an annual report but there's a lady in our group Nicole Leadham who just loves writing annual reports and she's awesome at it so if I get an inquiry of that nature I can either say to the client I don't know I can't do it bye or I can say I can't do it but this person can and then I've made the client happy and I've made the copywriter happy that's yeah that's it it's a win-win to refer work to other people um, and I think you look better for being able to help the client fill the gap because more often than not clients have put a lot of hard work into researching and going through Google and visiting the websites and reading the reviews and all that kind of blah 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 it's hard work to find a service provider that you trust enough to reach out to and if they then say oh no I can't help you have to do it all again so when you can refer them to another copywriter who's available and who can do it and will probably say yes you've just taken a whole stack of work off them that's it um I think you really shouldn't estimate how much thought has gone in before somebody actually fills in your contact form or gives you a call. I mean, yeah, I'm sure some people are going to just ring people randomly, but a lot, as you said, a lot of people put a lot of time and effort in, or they've been recommended to you by someone else. So, you know, don't make your answer a dead end, like help them continue. And, and it just builds up those connections with other copywriters and means they've got your back. And, you know, if you have an emergency situation where you've promised something to a client, but something's come up, you can flick it to one of them and say, can you just help me in this situation? And, and they'll have your back it just feels so much better than being isolated on your own for me in a little hut in my back garden um you know it, it means i've got work colleagues essentially actually a really nice feeling isn't it <laughs> it's a really good feeling i mean you know it's one of the things i miss about working in office is having the banter uh, with other people so communities are a great way to get that and to, to as i said probably the biggest the biggest learning I've had since I started and w I wish I'd known at the beginning was that, you know, other copywriters are not the enemy. Uh, they can be your friends and colleagues and cheerleaders. It's an excellent point. One of um, my big lessons, it's really come to the forefront for me in the last couple of years as I've had a little person to work around. I've had to do some serious thinking about what I get out of my business and what I want to get out of my business. So a big lesson for me was working yourself into the ground does not make you a successful copywriter because, you know, it's easy to get locked into this, oh, my God, if I don't take every job around, then I'm, I'm going to be in the poorhouse and I'm going to go broke. So you just you take every job that comes and then you're working 10 hours a day, seven days a week, and you're burning out all the time. So, you know, one of the big things I wish I'd known at the beginning that I have a greater appreciation of now is that the cliche of work-life balance is really important to strive for. You might really love copywriting and running a business and that's awesome, but taking time away and having hobbies and seeing your friends and your family and all that kind of stuff is really important because that's what also enrich enriches your life. 
Yeah, to be honest, I think that's a lesson that I'm, I'm still trying to learn. You know, when I started my business, I, I had a, I had a small human from day dot. So basically, I, you know, I went from having very little time. And then as, as the years have gone on, I've had more and more time. And what I've done is I've allowed work to fill up every gap, you know, so as soon as a gap appears, work fills it up. And then another gap appears and work fills it up. Um, and, you know, that's, it's important to know that you don't need to do that. You know, you, you don't need to suddenly start working 60 hours a week. Um, you can allow yourself a bit of time for yourself. It's something I'm not particularly good at and something I'm still, still struggling with. Because uh, I, I love what I do, but I also become a bit obsessed with it sometimes. And that's not particularly healthy. So I don't think I've learned that lesson. <laughs> I think when I started out, I, I looked at, I thought that in order to become successful, I just had to work all the time. And it was something kind of like badge of honor to be in air quotes busy all the time but that's just a fallacy because you don't no one gives you a gold star for working all the time so you know you've, you've got to start to look at things like your pricing can you earn more but do less can you take on better clients and you know there's a you have to start making a lot of other asking yourself a lot of other questions in order to to have a life that you can enjoy yeah, definitely. And, I, you know, I think that's all all to do with setting goals as well around what you're trying to achieve and being realistic, you know, and, and, and appreciating that, you know, if you've only got, say, 12 hours a week to work because of other commitments, whether they're family or whatever, or you've got a full-time job, there is only so much you can do and feeling sort of stretching yourself and feeling bad that you're not achieving as much as Bob or Sue or whomever. It's, it's just a stick to beat yourself with. It's not going not gonna to make you particularly happy. Uh, so I, my next thing, that I wish I'd learned what is that um not all clients are going to be into you. Uh, we've talked about this on previous podcasts, but I think it bears repetition. Um, you know, again, in the same way that Belinda had that feeling that, you know, she had to work all the time. There's another thing that you have to kind of, the client is always right and that you, you know, you have to jump through hoops to make them happy and you have to do whatever it takes. And, and you know, while that's True to a degree, some clients are just idiots. Let's be honest. There's just no, <laughs> there's no way around it. Just like some people are, are idiots, and some people, some clients are going to make unreasonable demands. They're going to be rude. They're going to change their ma- mind. They're going to be late. They're going to disappear for weeks on end. They're not going to pay on time. All those things are legitimate mistakes that the client is making. They're not mistakes you're making, and it's fine if it's not working out with a client to let that client go. To let that client be free and uh, we're going to do a podcast in a couple of weeks on on how to fire a client with zero stress so we'll we'll touch more about that then but also sometimes you know the client isn't being an idiot it's just that you don't click maybe you, you know you took on the job and thought look I don't know much about this industry, but I'm going to give it a pop. Or maybe, you know, you had that initial briefing chat and you just, you just weren't communicating well, or they were saying stuff and you weren't getting it. And just the vibe wasn't there. Um, that, that's fine as well. You know, you, you can't like everybody. You can't make every client love you. Uh, some jobs that you do are just going to be work a day, you know, get them done, get them out. And other ones are going to be stellar and awesome. And you're going to be proud of them and put them in your portfolio. But that's to sort of aim that high for every single job is, is again, going to make you very stressed. And it really brings in an emotion, a level of emotion. If you tie your emotions to your clients and the jobs like that, you end up on this little roller coaster of self-worth. 
I think that's so true. And and I think once you have that sort of degree of detachment and say, you know, not everyone's going to like me. Not every single uh, job that I do is going to be amazing. You know, some are just going to be okay. You can take that little step back. It does take the stress out of it. Um, we were talking today in, in my community about that horror that you get when you send off the first draft, that feeling when you send the email and, you know, you're waiting for the feedback to come back and, and you know, how stressful that is. And I think after a while, when you take that little bit of emotional detachment, that feeling does go away. So I don't have that feeling very often anymore. Um, and I think it's because I'm like, I've separated the client liking me from the client liking the copy and also the copy being good from the client liking it yeah so you know sometimes i'll write great copy but the relationship with the client won't be amazing so the job won't feel good or sometimes i'll write great copy but the client doesn't like it and at the end of the day they're paying for it so i can bang my drum we've talked about this a few times i can argue my corner but you also need to know when to let go and when to just finish the job to the best of your abilities and to keep the client happy um, and then move on to the next job uh, so yeah I think that's it that not every job is going to be wonderful and not every client is going to love you and I think that another part of that a lesson that I wish I'd I wish I'd known this is a big one I'd tell myself is that it's okay to end a project after you've begun because I might have you know I've had a few projects where especially early on I had a few red flags and my gut was going oh this is not this is not going to be good but I thought oh you just you're just afraid Belinda just push on and get through it and it'll be you know you'll rack up a bit more experience and all that kind of stuff and it would just get worse and worse and worse and I'd have this feeling like well I've started now they've paid the deposit I can't back out but you can you can always back yeah. out. If it's going south fast and you're like, I would stay up and I'd be, you know, nervous and ang anxious and I'd be crying and I'd be like, oh, my God. And if that's what it's doing to your life, even if you have to take a hit on the cash, just get out. Yeah, I totally agree. And the hit on the cash thing is really important, you know, because, you know, I don't think you'll regret losing that one, two, three, four hundred dollars or whatever it is. I mean, sometimes it's bigger than that and you do have to push on through just because it is a big amount and you need the money. But, you know, weigh up that investment with your emotional investment. And, you know, I have never fired a client or, you know, broken up with a client afterwards and regretted it. Never, ever. I have certainly regretted carrying on working with a client when it had gone sour because it just gets more sour um, and it's not good for either of you. So, yeah, that's my next big learning. What's your next big thing you wish you'd known, Belinda? Mine is that you don't have to be everywhere doing everything all the time. You know, we, you start out and like we were saying earlier, you look at all these other successful copywriters and they're on Facebook and Twitter. And well, when I started out, there was no Google Plus, but they're all over LinkedIn and they've got YouTube video tutorials. And now you can add periscopes and slide shares. And, you know, there's heaps and heaps of stuff that you can do to market yourself. And when you're starting out, it feels like you have to do it all. And if you don't, then you're a rotten failure as a, a marketer and a business owner and a copywriter. But the truth is that, you know, I, like when I started, I just had a Facebook page for ages. And then I opened a Twitter profile and then I started blogging and I just kind of slowly but surely got the hang of things before I did something else. And it's better to do one thing really well and do tons of stuff really badly. So, you know, that's the big lesson, I think, for newbies. That's what I'd tell myself. Just calm down, take it one step at a time. <laughs> 
Well, that's it. And I think, you know, again, this is something that I talk about a lot with uh, other copywriters is um, that, you know, you a lot of them will say to you, oh, I've got no time for marketing because I'm so busy working on my client work. And I'm like, well, then you don't need to market because you've got loads of client work. I mean, there is, to a degree, you know, you need to keep things bobbing along and you need to keep new inquiries coming in. But if you're super, super busy and you have a lot of client work coming in, lots of regular clients, why do you need to market? You need to question that. You know, are you marketing for your ego? Are you marketing because other people are doing it? The point of marketing is to get more work. Yeah, that, that, I, I don't know if you disagree with me, Melinda, but you know, there is building authority and building your brand. But even in those, at the end of the day, they're all about converting more customers and getting more work. So if you've got a steady flow of work and you're happy and you're enjoying it and you're charging what you want to be charging, just get on with it, I think. Well, this is I, this is where I think we might have to disagree, which is totally cool because I, I kind of agree in part, but I think um, I think doing some marketing all the time is really important because it takes a long time. It can take a long time before people get to the point of conversion, and if you're never seen and you're never heard of, and you don't have regular clients, like you might have, like all my jobs were usually once-off jobs. I had a lot of them and they were always coming in. But if that dries up, then it takes a long time to get your marketing going again. Yeah, I mean, I think I, I think I said sort of like little and often. And also it does depend like if you have regular clients. So that's that's more what I meant. So, for example, I know there's a, a copywriter that we both know very well, uh, Steve Manning, and, and he doesn't market at all. I've never seen him really tweet. I've never seen him, I've never seen him do anything. Uh, Steve might totally disagree, but he's very busy because he's got a lot of repeat clients. He does a lot of agency work and they, he does a good job and they come back to him month in, month out. Now, you know, obviously if all those jobs stopped at once, he'd be in big trouble. But I guess it's just about balancing marketing with real work. You know, I've, I've got to the point where I've marketed so much. I have an excess of work and an excess of inquiries. And thankfully I've found a way of getting rid of those by giving them to other copywriters but for a while I had this awful impasse where it was like I had so many inquiries but I like marketing that's the thing if you like it like me and I'm a, I love it do you know what I mean I love writing blogs I love creating videos and making stuff and doing memes and that's my favorite bit you know so I'm marketing addict but I, I had to really sit back and question I'm doing too much marketing <laughs> I almost have the opposite problem so yeah I think it's about it's all about balance and keeping it chugging along um but not yeah. not not beating yourself up that you're not doing as much as the next person or you're not on that That's particular right. channel but as a newbie um, I think you know you, you don't want to start thinking that you have to be everywhere and that's what I used yes. to do I'd be like oh my god I'm not doing anything and I get quite yeah. stressed about only having a few social media channels and not blogging but it was better to do those few things and do them well that's it there's a great um a copywriter in my group called kelly o'donnell and uh, she's just really focused on twitter and she kind of has put a lot of effort in and you know she does like six tweets a day and she really creates content really re cu curates not creates um and you know like in a matter of months she's got like two and a half thousand followers i think it took me six years to get that many followers and i'm like blimmin yeah. but she has done exactly what you said she's focused on one platform she's done it very very well she's built that up and now she can go on to other other ones so yeah 
very good advice. Was that your learning or my learning? I think, that was, I think it was both our learnings, but it is your turn. It's my turn. Gosh, there's so many other things I would say. I think, I think I'm going to finish with my last one. I think is going to be about pricing um, and pricing comparison. And we've talked about pricing in a previous podcast. I think there's a lot of ego and anxiety around pricing and what is everyone else charging? What should I be charging? Um, all the things we've talked about before, like, you know, seeing other people having packages on their website and going, wow, how can they charge that much? Or sending a quote off and the client and saying yes straight away and thinking why did I charge so little um, so all the anxiety around pricing I think can be really really awful you know and every time you have to put a proposal together going through agonies about what you you should charge um, and I think whatever you can do to mitigate that and I would highly recommend listening to our previous podcast on that that subject and you know and just really trying to put together some practical strategies to price so that it's not an, an agonizing decision every time because you know it takes up hours and hours of your putting proposals together needs to be something that's done quite quickly so you can focus on stuff that earns money which is the actual writing bit um, so the, the you know the more formulaic you can make your proposals the, the formulas you can come up for pricing rate cards all that kind of stuff get your processes buttoned down so putting a proposal together takes less and less time and you have less and less anxiety about sending it out um, the hours I've wasted worrying about costs <laughs> and you know I, I wish I could have I wish I could go back and shake myself and say just do a rate card and be done with it you know and stick with it for a bit and then change it because you can change your pricing when you want there's no rules you know yeah that's right I actually um used to have a rate card just to help me come up with some numbers quite quickly I had like a basically a quoting formula that helped me I just like this kind of almost plug and play with the numbers and then I'd, I'd customize it from there if sometimes I went oh you know that doesn't look quite right I can put that up a bit or I'll, I'll pull that down but um, I was very big on templating and creating a system and a process but if someone said oh can you do a insert name of project that you've never done before then I would spend hours kind of working out numbers and you know randomly plugging in things to try and work out a price so it you know it can take a long time but once you do it the first time then put it in your rate card so if someone says oh how much for a website page you can just go oh it's going to be about this much boom yeah, I totally agree. So, you know, that, that, especially when you're starting out, maybe you don't have as, as much, uh, as much work on, you know, as well as doing all the glamorous stuff like your marketing and your, and your tweeting and your emails, really put some time aside to look at processes. Um, and really every time you do a job, you know, make notes about what went well and what didn't go well and where there were gaps and, you know, maybe, you know, like, if you don't want to if you don't want to go and buy all the templates from the copywriting school make your own email templates make your own copy deck templates make your own briefing templates and just have them all ready in a folder and really invest time in processes because i think belinda and i are big on process and it's saved us so much time in the long run so that's my last learning what's your last learning what I would tell myself is you're going to be crap the first few times you try something like, say, blogging or making videos or something like that. But that's no reason not to do it. Now, I've put off blogging for a while because I was, I just, it was felt a bit anxious about my sense of authority and my tone of voice and things like that. Um, I've only just started doing video tutorials because, you know, like everyone, ugh, me in front of the camera, everyone has the same thing. But 
every the first few times you do something, they're always terrible, but you always get better. So you got to practice. And you know, I was talking on a coaching call recently with someone going, I you know, I don't want to start blogging because. I don't really know what to write about and I want to do all these other things and, you know, do I really have to? And I was like, the the great thing about blogging is that when you start, no one's reading it because no one knows who you are. So it's kind of like practicing a speech to an empty room. So you get to practice your writing and find your voice and get better and better and better. And that's the point. But if you never start, you never improve. Oh, that's so good. I think we'll have to meme that one up. When you, The great thing about blogging is that when you start you don't have to worry because no one's reading it. It's no one's reading it. Really. And everyone on the call went, oh, yeah. I'm like, it's actually really awesome. Yeah, I mean, I've actually just gone back through the process of repurposing and, and updating 240 blog posts that I've written since I started, like right back to the first ones. And good grief were those first ones bad. Um, you know, but they were fine. They helped me. You can see that, you know, having done that exercise, I can see the evolution in my own writing. And as I gradually found my style and my voice and my confidence, you know, kind of working back, you can see they're getting worse and worse. Um, but, you know, it... Yeah. I'm so glad I did it and I invested the time because it's only, you know, we, we've mentioned this before again as well, you know, all the training courses and all the all the money you throw at sort of, you know, books and great courses like Belinda's and Um The main thing is just writing, 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 writing and through writing and, and getting feedback on it, I guess, uh, you, you improve. So, yeah, I very much agree. The first time you do something, you will be, what was the word, crap? <laughs> Excellent. Well, I, I hope that was useful to to, to you guys you know knowing um the things that we wish we'd known right at the beginning i'm sure there are there are many more uh, that we uh, could have gone through but i think that's, that's a nice succinct summary uh, so you can head to the show notes for this episode where we'll summarize those points and also include some links uh, to some of the things we've mentioned as well let's end the show with a shout out to one of our listeners and today i'm going to pick uh lauren bartley from business addicts so she said loving the great tips and advice belinda and kate dish out in this podcast especially loving the different approaches they have to a similar business there are no right answers just great ideas we can implement as appropriate to our business thanks girls and you can check out lauren's business addicts podcast uh, which is pretty cool and both i think both belinda and i've been on it have you been on it belinda i have indeed yeah so obviously check out our episodes first um thanks very much for listening um if you enjoyed the show don't forget to leave a rating and review on itunes and hey stitcher as well why not your review will help others find us and we'll give you a shout out on the show you can also head to hotcopypodcast.com and leave your comments on the blog post for this episode Thanks very much, Belinda. Thank you, Kate. Until next time, happy writing. Yeah, they like the three degrees. Hello. <clears throat> Hello, my name's Kate Two. My name's Belinda Weaver. And welcome to the Hot Copy Podcast. Uh, podcast for copywriters all about, all about copy. copywriting am i saying that bit though are you or no, should we you say are. it together yeah no you are am i i'm just joining you to be <laughs>